0: The sermon title is Becoming a Tree, so you'll just have to go with this, Um, living as a tree person, and then accordingly what that means for your life when it comes to bearing fruit in season. Psalm 1 is beautiful, and it it really, that's what it does, is it it asks us to be like a tree or a tree person. As I've gotten older, uh, maybe like some of you, I've grown an interest in birds and trees. It's really come about the last couple of years. Don't ask me anything about trees or birds yet, but give me a few years and a couple books. And for those of you that have gone before and you have a love for trees and birds, um, I think you caught on a little quicker than I did. But, um, but I, you know, right now in life, I, I really would enjoy just a walk in the woods observing the birds. And it's brought this curiosity. There's all these trees around me that I have no idea what kinds of trees they are. Um, My friend who grew up with me, best friends, he moved to Dallas, Texas. And a couple years ago, he he was there for a long time. He came back and he said, man, I forgot how amazing the trees are in the Northeast. And it it was good because I was able to step back and look at all these amazing trees. Because in Texas, the trees are different. I mean, they're, they're beautiful in their own right, but they're not quite as... Big and and strong as the trees that we have in the Northeast, but again, I don't know that much about trees. But I do. I'm seeing just that there's so much to be learned um, from a tree, and we see this in Psalm 1 from the psalm writer. In Psalm 1, so today, by means of Psalm 1, we are invited to become a tree, and to put down our roots into the fertile soil of God's ways. Uh, or we're warned that, uh, or you can be a chaff person, someone who's just kind of blown away like dust. It's the opposite of a tree. Um, so I hope the scripture will really invite you and challenge you to delight in God's word in a fresh way, but also call you to a life of resistance, to resist sort of the wrong path in life. Um, So allow me to read it for us. Again, this is Psalm 1. It begins the book of the Psalms. The Psalms Book One. The way of the Righteous and the Wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Many have written about Psalm 1 because it's this beautiful um, economy of words, just poetic introduction to the prayer book of the Hebrew people. But Psalm 1's a little bit different. It's not really a prayer per se. It's more of a, a promise and a warning. And, you know, for that reason, I think it, it sits a little bit differently. It's, it's like an entryway into the Psalms. So even as I read it, you probably were thinking like, okay, that sounds nice. Hmm, I wonder about that. But you may not have been moved like you would if you read Psalm 51 or Psalm 23 or Psalm 100 you know, the, the Psalms become these prayers um, that where the people of God cry out. But Psalm 1 takes a different role. And so we're going to walk through it just verse by verse. We're actually going to look at the three sections. Verses 1 and 2 sit together, and then 3 and 4, and 5 and 6. But let's first begin by this first word, blessed. So Genesis 1, 1 says, In the beginning, God created. We've just gone through the Gospel of John, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. But Psalm 1, 1, the first word is blessed. It's happy. Happy. Happy is the man, or happy is the one. And we see right from the beginning that this prayer book um, of the people of God, is going to demonstrate that um, those that follow after God are blessed. And really, that's what this whole psalm is about. So yeah, if you remember anything, remember that the first word of our song book, our prayer book, is blessed. And this blessing is from God to man. Blessed is the one or blessed is the man. And then really from there on, it's, there's these two paths. You can go this way or you can go this way, but the blessed one goes this way. So blessed is the one who is happy. And first he's known by what he is not or doesn't do. So um, blessed is the one who does not walk this way or stand this way or sit this way. Um, there's really this progression of sort of the evil way of life that, you know, it's hard because it says, uh, blessed is the man who doesn't stand in the way of sinners. Um, that phrase, it's a little quirky to begin with. What does it mean to stand in the way of a sinner? Um, it's, it's not like you're standing in the way holding them back. It's that you're standing in the same way as a sinner, that you're treading the same path that a sinner would tread. But we also know from Scripture that we're all sinners. So how, how do we reconcile this? Don't we all walk in the way of a sinner? I, I mean, I know I do. I think I already did today at least a couple times just with the way I thought and the way I felt and some of my um, you know, I'm trying to think of the word, just some self-absorbed thoughts that weren't like maybe explicitly evil, but they had me in mind mostly. And so even today, I've probably tread, treaded the path of a sinner. But the blessed one doesn't do this. Nor does he sit in the seat of a scoffer. A scoffer... If you read Proverbs, the scoffer is the one who resists wisdom. And the sinner here is really a mocker, someone who just gives an affront to the ways of God. So what the Hebrew poet is describing is that there is a way that's against the ways of God. And if you want to be a blessed person, we'll talk about what blessing is in a second. But if you want to be that way, it's not down this path. No. And then he turns. So the, the Hebrew poet is always contrasting or put, putting alongside something else. He said, blessed is the one who his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, he meditates day and night. So this delight, uh, it's this Hebrew word kafetz. It's To take pleasure in something that you know is good. It can also mean to choose to take pleasure in something that you know has value. Even if you're not feeling it, to to take delight in it is to recognize how good it is and to go down that path. Um, So he takes delight in the law of the Lord. It's a beautiful Hebrew phrase, Torah of Yahweh is what it is. It's the Torah. The law is the instruction, the instruction to the people. The instruction from Yahweh to the people. If you delight in that and you meditate upon it day and night, um, that's, that's all the blessed person is known by, is their delight in the law of the Lord. But what does it mean to meditate on the instruction of the Lord day and night? Does that mean we should carry it around with us on a card Pull it out every five seconds. Okay, five seconds. Got it. Or should we memorize it and just repeat it? Um, well, it's funny. The word meditate here, hoga, it actually does. It means to mutter, just to mutter under your breath. Um, and we do we do this. We know how to meditate. Have you ever been so angry that like, oh, all you can say is like something under your breath? <laughs> you just it just wells up in you just. In this muttering, uh, uh, that's a meditation of of anger. Or you can, have you ever obsessed over something like, oh man, I want to go to this college and I want to study this degree. And you read every page about it and then you compare it to other colleges and and you're convinced that this college is the one that has the best program because you've done all your research. And then you're walking down the path and you're thinking, well, maybe that one would be better. And then you go and look at that, and you just obsess over it. And we, we've all done this in different ways. It could be something like a car. You might be wanting to get a car that is a hybrid, you know, and you're like, well, i got to know which is the best hybrid car to get. So you just think about it throughout the day. As you're working, you get distracted by it. And this is, this is meditation. This is, this is, it's pouring over something with this... Uh, Repetition and this intensity. That's what it means to meditate. So he's saying, Do that with the instruction of the Lord. And then he turns to this picture. If you remember a few weeks ago, one of my, I love Pastor John's preaching, but there was this one moment that I went back to and I typed it all out because it was so good. He talked about how um, we have this scaffolding of the faith in our Western way of thinking. We've We've built all of our theological statements around the faith, and it's become the scaffolding of our faith. And he said the Hebrew way is different. The Hebrew way of thinking is different. They take an idea, and they take that idea, and they, they bring a picture alongside, and then they connect the two. And it's actually in the connection that you find the meaning. And that's exactly what's happening right here. There's this idea blessing, the blessed way of life. And then there's this picture that it's combined with. So he combines it to this picture, and he says, actually, the blessed life is like a tree. If you want to be blessed, you need to look like a tree. And it's in this picture that I think we'll see kind of some unlocking of the meaning. But before we even go there, I want to just, I want to just pause on this idea of um, meditating on the Lord day and night. So, again, what does it mean to do that? These first couple verses, they're almost in parallel with what The Lord said to Joshua. So, in Joshua chapter one, Moses uh, was phasing out, and Joshua was coming in to lead the people of God. And it's beautiful in chapter one. There's just nine verses where the Lord speaks directly to Joshua, and he said, "Here's your here's your charge. Here's what you're going to do." But at the end of that, I mean, really, he says verses one and two like almost word for word. He says to Joshua, the Lord says to Joshua, keep this book of law on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it. Don't turn away from it. Then you will be prosperous. Now the irony here is if you know anything about Joshua's life, you know that his life was one battle after another. And yet the Lord said, if you meditate on my word day and night, you will be prosperous. And Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. Right. And I remember reading through Joshua's life a couple of years ago, and I just, just it set in how much he had to fight for the Promised Land. And as I reflected on that and saw this verse, I was struck by. Um, What this means. So, I think it, again, it's going to be helpful to look at this picture to really understand what it means to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. So, he says he's like a tree planted by streams of water. His roots go down by a stream and they're fed. And he yields its fruit in season. The fruit is, I think, an important part, and the season is an important part. I think we would like our lives to be fruitful, whatever that means. And we would like to have fruit all the time. We would like always to be in season bearing fruit. But if you think about fruit, um, we live in a, a good region. So in the spring, we get berries. For like two weeks, the strawberries in our area are out of this world, and then they disappear. Um, you know, late in the summer, we get summer peaches. And again, there's this very pretty book-ended time frame where peaches come into season in our area. In the fall, we have apples. I don't even need to tell you. You know this. And, and we go and we pick apples. It's, we, you know, it's awesome. We can do that in this area. Uh, in the winter, we ship in oranges from Florida, I guess, or California. They show up in boxes and sun-kissed oranges in December. It's amazing. And, you know, bananas are a little bit different. I, I had to do some research on this because I was curious about bananas. Apparently, a banana is a plant. comes from a plant. It's actually like an herb. And there's these bulbs, and they take about nine months to... It's like a big plant. Just imagine that. And... Um, Recently, I saw on Facebook. This is a digression, but <laughs> there was a, a banana wheel. Did you see this? So there was like a, a wheel of bananas laid out in a picture, and went from a very green banana to a, a slightly less green banana, to you know, it just then it got into the nice yellows, then like the the beat up bananas with the little browns, and then just the dark browns, almost like a pussy banana at the end, and. Um, the, the, the goal was you just pick which banana you liked, and I thought that I, everyone was where I was, which was kind of in the middle, like a nice yellow banana, not too beat up, but not too green. Well, apparently, there's just a lot of preference in the ripeness of your banana, and it's kind of all over the map, which was a surprise to me. And But, but what it does show is we all know what fruit is in season, and we all have... We all enjoy that. And we may have our preferences, but we know what it is. And yet how often do we, as a tree, we want to bear fruit all the time. We want it just popping out like all the time. And we, we downgrade and we minimize the value of the seasons. So in, in our area, um, some, t- some winters are brutally cold. Some springs tend to be drier than others. Um, Every once in a while we get a mild summer where the grass stays green into August. But the tree has to weather um, every season, every year, over the course of years. And he has to nuance the seasons. He has to just take in the nuance of the season. If it's a particularly difficult winter, he's got to make it through. And um, that's what this psalmist is saying that the blessed life looks like. And he says, the wicked are not this way. That Actually, they're like chaff that blows away. They're like dust. It's gone. I think even just he gives it one sentence because he doesn't want to give the chaff a lot of time in the picture, even the, even the amount of words he uses. But then it concludes with this, again, a summative statement. That the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And again, there's two ways of living here. And um, but what does it mean that the wicked will not stand in the judgment? And you have to remember, they're like chaff; they're going to blow away. And actually, the The psalm ends with the phrase that the way of the wicked will perish or disappear. You can almost think of it as the wicked way will cease to be. It will disappear ultimately. But there is a righteous way, and the Lord knows the righteous way. So how do we reconcile this with our own uh, sinful ways? What do we do? I've been thinking a lot about what would Jesus do with this psalm and this picture. And I found something. You can turn to John 15. And just keep Psalm 1 in mind as we read John 15, the first five verses. So, this is Jesus speaking. In John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. It's a good one just to hang on to, is where it is. And this is really Jesus starting now to unfold to his disciples how how it all is, the way that it actually is. And this is what Jesus says He says, I am. to the picture. So this Psalm 1 um, image is a simile. So the blessed man is like a tree. Remember that from English class when you did poetry? When something is like something else, it's a simile. And it's this poetic form for us to connect into what it really all means. And then Jesus says, well, I actually am the vine. It's almost like he's saying, I'm the trunk of the tree. I am the trunk. There's a, a biologist, Colin Tudge, and he says, A tree is a big plant with a stick that runs up the middle. And if you think about it, that's that's really true. If you step back and look at a tree as it's in bloom or as it's bearing fruit, it really is all these branches with a trunk that runs up the middle. And Jesus is saying, You're already clean. Because of the word that I have spoken to you. He is the word made flesh. So we know um, from the scriptures that there's no one that is righteous apart from Christ. But he miraculously shares his righteousness with us. He makes us right before the Lord. And Jesus who had no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. But then he says, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Now abide in me. Continue to be this living tree that continues to go down the right path. And when you get off the path, I will prune, actually the Father will prune the branches so that eventually you will bear more fruit. And... In this amazing way, Jesus comes and he enters uh, us, and he says, yes, you are still called to be a healthy tree, but I'm going to be your trunk, and we're going to do this together. And it sounds really simple or, uh, you know, basic, but it's, this is where um, the life is found, is to Live a life that really is founded upon Jesus Christ and his righteousness. But then to go and encounter the world and to resist sort of the way of the wrong way and to delight in God's way. So this psalm, it's not really describing how you become righteous. It's describing how you live the righteous life, not in your own strength, but in the strength of God. Actually, that's where the source of it is. Like I said, the only thing this man does is he delights in the law of the Lord. That's the only thing actively in the whole poem that he does. That's all he does is all, all day long, night and day, he delights in the instruction of the Lord. That's it. And he's blessed. So, what does this mean for us? I think the first question is can you see yourself in the picture? So, can you allow yourself to be a healthy tree in your life? I mean, we're all given our lives. We all, there's a lot there in terms of um, where we all end up and the story we've been given. And yet, God is very sovereign in all, all of that. He, he sets the path for us. But can you um, accept who you are and then live as a healthy tree? I think that is the challenge that we all face. And not only that, but somehow, can you do it not in your own strength? Can you allow Christ to be your trunk? Can you be so connected to Christ and his word and his way that your life is like the branches, that they're just bearing fruit? And then that way, hey, if you're out of season or you're, you're in season, it's, it's, you're not looking that direction. You're looking back to Christ, and you're abiding in him. But again, how, does, how do we do this? I would say, you know, one thing, if you go back to Psalm 1 and we just... Um, think through it. So Psalm 1 tells us that a fruitful life comes in the accumulation of days and nights. We're all confined to this one day and night. Um, But each day we resist and we delight. We resist the things of the world and we have this daily delight in the ways of God. And not only that, but we meditate upon his way, his word every day. And it's, that's it. And in this daily rhythm, we will face a battle every day where we will have to once again surrender and not do this in our own strength. And we'll have to say, okay, Christ, you are my trunk. I'm not going to just go and do this in my own strength again like I did yesterday. And, and eventually, um, we'll start to live in this pattern because ultimately, the wicked path is a path of destruction, and it's, it's fading away. But the way of the righteous is the way that's known by the Lord. And so the stakes are very high in this example. Um, we have everything we need to know from the full scriptures, the way the Spirit is working. And we've been given... Like instruction, it's some of it's explicit, like direction, like just do this and do this. Okay, if that doesn't work for you, it, it actually it looks like a tree. Maybe, you, maybe that's a good way for you to connect. And Christ is going to enter in in a multitude of ways, so that you can understand what He's doing in your life, and then live the way that's empowered by him to live in the Spirit. Um, Practically, I think, as you walk away from Psalm 1, hopefully you won't walk away from it. It's six economic verses. You could memorize one a day for six days in a row, and then by the seventh day, you'd be just muttering this under your breath all day long. And I suspect that by one week of that, you would get more than you would get in these you know, few minutes that we have together today. Um, something that is helpful is just to go to your favorite places in Scripture and then make them your own. You know, I heard someone talking about his burden is light. That comes from Matthew. His yoke is light. Put on his yoke. Well, if that's some, something that you're drawn to, have you made that your own? Have you internalized it and walked with it at de, in the day, in the night? When you get woken up at night, what do, you, what, what do you get stuck on that keeps you up at night? And this is this path um, a final exercise you could do is just take these two words resist and delight. Resist the the wicked counsel of the world and delight in the counsel of God. So, is there a way that you're being that you need to resist? I resist the good ways in my life, and I don't resist the wrong things at times. Is there something that you know you need to resist? Well, then find a scripture and set it next to that concept. And with the scripture and with the power of God, um, fight that battle. Or is there something that you just need to delight in? Maybe this is a particularly dry season for you, and you just need to remind yourself, okay, God is good. I need to delight in his goodness or his love or his kindness or his compassion. And you find some scriptures to delight in, and it, it's, it is work. It really is, and um, it takes time. It takes, by God's grace, we ha- many of us have a long time to work this out. Um, but I want to invite the worship team forward now as we just close with the song, Jesus at the Center. Jesus is at the center of it all. He really is at the center. The question is like is he your center? Are you centered on Christ? Can you really say that Christ is the centerpiece of your life? I want to read from Jeremiah 17, which is a parallel of Psalm 1. And in Jeremiah, the Lord speaks to Jeremiah and he he's just kind of really frustrated with the way that the people of God have gone. But in Jeremiah 17, he says this. He, he speaks a curse, which is very brief, and then he speaks a blessing. And it's, it's like, which one do you want to be known by? So this is Jeremiah 17. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green And he is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So Jeremiah responds with this prayer. In Jeremiah 17, it's very simple. He says, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are my praise. Amen.